0: Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and welcome to the Influence Watch podcast. This week, the U.S. House of Representatives again advanced the odious catalog of big labor favors known as the PRO Act on a nearly party-line vote. While the legislation will likely stall in the Senate as long as the legislative filibuster remains in effect, the proposal remains a priority of the Biden administration, leaving big labor's sort of Damocles hanging over American workers and American businesses for at least the remainder of this Congress. Joining me to discuss the threat posed by the legislation is Ed Iggy, Vice President for Workforce Development at the National Retail Federation. Uh, so Ed, before we begin, before we get into the policy, uh, can you tell us a little bit about NRF and what you guys do over there?
1: Sure. And thanks so much for having me on. Uh, yeah, no. So the National Retail Federation, we represent retailers uh, of all sizes uh, throughout, throughout this country, uh, from the very, very large brands that you're very well aware of to small retailers uh, who sell uh, in, on Main Street in, around the country. And we also have within the National Retail Federation, a smaller sub trade association called the National Council of Chain Restaurants. There, we focus on uh, the restaurant industry from um, largely from the idea that uh, many restaurants are facing an unprecedentedly difficult challenge right now um, with the pandemic. And that really is the focus of that, of that trade association right now.
0: So, Unfortunately, we have to discuss the PRO Act, which you had <laughs> aptly yeah, sure. called the worst bill in Congress, uh, and that, a, a judgment in which I concur entirely. Uh, we've, we've discussed it uh, on the podcast before, but uh, I think it would be helpful if we took a look at some of its provisions in detail and how they would affect uh, American businesses. Um, and again, as you mentioned, many of these businesses have already been devastated by uh, both the pandemic and then the lockdowns attendant to it. Uh, they've been en- enacted by local and state governments across the country, um, in addition to the workers that they employ. So, uh, I guess the the best place maybe to begin is the the zombie card check uh, right uh, provision that in the in the PRO Act, unlike the old Obama era bill, which just said we're going to do card check, period. Uh, sure the 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 PRO Act has a provision by which the labor board can set aside a union election and deem a union in, pl- put into place uh, based on a card check if they think that you know if the board finds that there was a technical infraction by the employer, how, how is that going to affect affect things?
1: right so let's take let's step back a minute. So the um, current law. The process to organize a workplace is essentially a two-step process, right? So there is a petition, a card process whereby the union goes around to the employees at a facility and solicits cards or solicits signatures on a petition, either electronic or an actual physical piece of paper, to try to to get some showing of interest in the union. And again, all it needs is to be is a signature. So they can promise everything they want to promise. The union organizer can say anything, essentially, just to get that signature on a piece of paper. Once they get that, now they've shown interest. And once they get a a majority, 50% plus one, to sign that petition or to sign those cards. The second part of the process is, as you noted, was the second part was what the Obama-era law, or excuse me, bill, the Employee Free Choice Act, Orwellian named. Yeah,
0: classically Orwellianly named.
1: Yes, uh, that what that piece of legislation did was essentially jettison the second part. So the second part of the process is, where the National Labor Relations Board, where I worked until recently, the National Labor Relations Board comes in and will conduct an election, basically an up or down vote. Do you want it, it, this it's union?
0: A, it, it's a referendum. Do you want you know? Do you yeah. want the union that you all signed petitions for, or do you want what is called no representative?
1: The the not right. to, to remain not unionized. Right. Do you So this would be, you know, do you want that union to be your exclusive representation in the workplace? Yes or no. And a lot of times, and again, I just worked at the National Labor Relations Board. What we did was we simply borrowed the exact same voting booths that, you know, that are used every other November. Uh, it's really that second part that was jettisoned by the Employee Free Choice Act. Well, that went over to the Senate and Democrats, Democrats and Republicans alike Rejected that notion of denying workers that private ballot vote. So there was there was bi- the bipartisan
0: opposition, and then I mean, you had no no less a pro union figure than George McGovern fronting the campaign to m- make the public aware of how nasty this provision was.
1: Exactly right, and so it was did not pull well, it, we, you know, it did not go over well, even amongst the Senate Democratic Caucus. Yes, they got it out of the House. So they went back to the drawing board and eventually came up with the provision that you refer to in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the PRO Act, which is where they, the union gets the showing of interest, they get their private ballot vote, but very quickly after the private ballot vote, if somehow, and again, the rest of the bill changes every conceivable Rule within the organization process to favor the union yeah, if the, the union the, still a, a,
0: let's let's make you know well, since we're comparing a union election to an election election sure in, a, in an in an election election both candidates can say more or less whatever they want no you know no holds barred right. everybody's got the full first amendment behind them in a union election not so much the employer right. has a bunch of restrictions on him
1: that's right. And all the, those restrictions would only grow under the PRO Act, of course. So under the PRO Act, you couldn't even hold a meeting if you were the employer. You couldn't even hold a meeting with your um, with your employees, just like employers have a million other meetings with their employees, staff meetings. Yeah, staff you know, meeting, a staff meeting
0: to discuss a workplace yeah. thing. And of course, the union organizers as of today, and of course under PRO Act, they can go house to house.
1: Of course. Not only that, but under PRO Act... They are given the employees' personal cell phones, personal email addresses, and under the Pro Act, they can harass the employers, customers, landlord, vendors, clients, customers—you name it. They have en- endless amounts of this opportunities. Is, this,
0: is, this is what is known as the secondary boycott.
1: Secondary picketing, exactly right, and um, which is um, strong, strictly prohibited under current uh, under current law. And has been, by the way, um, you know, for decades, for seventy years, um,
0: going on seventy years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, and so, anyway, so if they manage to lose under all of these provisions, which give them every opportunity to win, but if the they record, manage under to the
0: lo- current under current law, they win about two to one anyway. That's
1: you know? correct. Yes, <laughs> you know,
0: it's not like the deck is stacked against organized labor here.
1: <laughs> well, and that's, and you, you know, you raise a larger issue, which is the point of this entire piece of legislation. Has, you know, uh, Tim Ryan was on the floor the other day, ranting and raving that they're doing something for workers, which of course they're not, right? What this, yeah, what this legislation is about is driving up union dues. Yeah, they're, they're doing um, in union for, the density.
0: for the organized labor
1: institutions that fund their
0: political campaigns.
1: That, yeah. And so, I mean, right now, private sector unionization density is about 6.3%, which is incredibly low and has been steadily falling basically since the second world war. Uh, for years, for under Obama, we had a, blat- a completely pro-union at National Labor Relations Board. They changed just about every precedent they could find in favor of unions, and it didn't pick up the private sector union density whatsoever. It continued to fall. Uh, the AFL, of course, knows this, and that's why you'll see in the near future if they haven't done it already them suddenly embracing the end of the legislative filibuster because they know th- this is, they're very, very close to, you know, 6.3 isn't too far away from zero. Uh, so what the legislation does essentially in the larger scheme is remove workers' rights to not join a union.
0: So, and, and let's talk about one way that it does that. So part of, you know, we've very, people may have heard of this California law called AB5 with yep. the- Uber and Lyft, and it actually affects a whole bunch of things other than Uber and Lyft, but they were the targets of organized labor and, of course, the California State Assembly, which is, might as well be a wholly owned subsidiary of organized labor. Um, and so they moved this AB5 law, and my understanding is that the PRO Act clones AB5 in its entirety and puts it, would put it into federal law.
1: Well, that's exactly right. So the, the ABC test, which was um, which was contained within AB5, essentially tries to move the line between an independent contractor uh, related to an employer and an employee directly responsible to the employer. Obviously, independent contractors cannot be unionized. Again, the entire thrust of this bill is to drive up union dues. So does, regardless of whether the individual worker Prefers being an IC or an EE. Uh, that that's a that's decision the that contra- the independent
0: contractor or a customary empl- conventional employee.
1: Sure. Um, yeah. Um, you know, regardless of what the, what the worker wants, the United States Congress in this in this sense would make the decision for them. Essentially, and again, would, and again, what's
0: amazing is that California, which of course is an extremely strong union state. They passed a referendum substantially limiting AB5 because they thought it went too far.
1: (laughs) Right. So the same election where they went overwhelmingly for President Biden, they went back and cut back AB5 a great deal. And this is, I think, largely because people realized that the ability of folks to make decisions about how they want to apply their skills in the workplace was dramatically cut back by AB5. A lot of my wife's friends, and it's particularly, by the way, let me let me stop for a second. It's particularly that C in the ABC test, that third prong where your occupation needs to be, you know, widely regarded as an independent contractor occupation. Well, this is a ridiculous threshold that sort of, you know, you almost have to embrace like a 1930s mindset where each of us is like a bricklayer or, you know, or a machinist of some sort. The fact of the matter is in the modern economy, A lot of my wife's friends who are who like being independent contractors do a wide variety of different things for businesses. You know, maybe they do a little bit of event planning, maybe they do a little bit of editing, maybe they do a little bit of writing, maybe they do a bit a little bit of administrative work, and they charge businesses in 15-minute increments while they go about their day, running their kids to soccer or whatever. And this is incredibly um, empowering to them, and gives them a great deal of flexibility. They don't want to be on a nine-to-five clock, but of course. If, the, you know, my wife's friends who are doing this independent contractor work can't be unionized. And that's really what drives the AFL-CIO yeah, and nuts. For, and for Richard Trumka
0: and Mary Kay Henry, that's a problem. Yeah, uh, of course. You know, we actually, I'll, I'll include in the show notes, uh, we did a, 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 a sort of a long, um, we did a, a sort of a brief baseline primer on the ABC test. So I'll put that in the show notes for those who want to know a little bit more about how that about how that actually works um so on the subject of sort of we, of technical legalese mandatory binding arbitration of first contracts yeah, yeah. what's what is that in english
1: <laughs> you know i actually think this is the most pernicious part of the piece of this legislation and it almost never gets talked about because it is really, really in the weeds. And again, it has this sort of incredibly legalistic term name, binding mandatory arbitration of first contracts. But let me try to break it down and, and show you what it means. Okay. Let's go back to our example of you know a small, a small employer, let's say 100 employees who um, you know, they, they hold a vote and either the union wins the vote or the union loses the vote and the National Labor Relations Board overturns the vote and insists the employer recognize the union anyway. All right, so now the employer has to recognize the union. This to me is incredibly dangerous, incredibly dangerous concept embedded in this piece of legislation. What would happen with a newly organized workplace is you have 100 days, precisely 100 days to sit down with your new friends on the union side and work out every detail regarding every facet, every term uh, and condition of employment at that particular workplace. So wages, hours, benefits, retirement, seniority, seniority, uh, uniforms, working conditions, safety and health. It's the you know, there's a reason that these contracts generally, when they happen under current law, take a significant amount of time for both sides to come together and make these agreements. Well, the AFL-CIO needs money now, they don't have that kind of time to wait. So what happens under the law? And I, again, I used to, when I, was, when I was working on the Hill, I used to explain this to union members and their eyes would sort of like roll, you know, they would shoot over to the lobbyists and say, wait, what do we support? What, what happened under, under this piece of legislation is after a hundred days, a federal agency that just about no one has heard of called the Federal Mediation and Conciliation Service, would parachute in, they send three federal bureaucrats to the facility. The federal bureaucrats sit down, listen to both sides, fly back to Washington and then write the first contract that dictates every term and condition regarding how this workplace, which they've been around for a few days, will operate for the next two years.
0: And And neither the
1: employer nor yeah, the union. The union me- can so change the, a word and, of this
0: thing, right? And the union member, because my understanding of what happens now is that union negotiating team, employer, and the employer's lawyer sit down, hammer it all out over a series of months. Again, maybe there's industrial action attendant to it uh, from either side, uh, but eventually, in the fullness of time, you know, a contract is hammered out uh it is then submitted to the union members for ratification to then vote up or down
1: of course un- yeah un- and, and under I-
0: this under this system there would be no ratification it would just be we three bureaucrats in washington dc say this is your contract this is your contract now
1: yeah absolutely and again and and i used to i used to ask you you know union members rank and file union members are you sure this is what you want you know do you really want You know a a Nikki Haley administration, or you know, you know, some Republican administration's bureaucrats coming in and writing the contract that now you cannot change. Uh, It's an incredibly, you know, to me this is a piece of uh, this particular provision alone would have radical, radical uh, ramifications for the American. It would fundamentally
0: change the relations between. I mean, even in a current, even in a unionized workplace between the employer and the trade union.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and not only that, but you basically, because these bureaucrats would have so little insight into the particular business, basically, they would just pick up, you know, boilerplate language from some what they consider a similarly situated business and stick it on and say, OK, well, you're going to run just like, you know, this uh, this other employer down the street who. You know who we think is at least close enough, and you're going to run your facility exact in that in that exact manner. Again, um, you know it, it's it's something that just about every time you know when you see this legislation described, whether it's in the Post or the New York Times or any newspaper, you know they they talk about the increased po- employer penalties. Well, increased employer penalties for NLRA violations, National Labor Relations Act violations. Yeah, okay, you know it's not it's probably the least controversial aspect of this bill. But it takes a while to explain what mandatory binding arbitration is, and when people understand it, it's incredibly unpopular.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, and sort of building off that, you know, you were discussing sort of boilerplate language for similarly situated businesses. This brings up the whole doctrine of joint employer, and of course, the SCIU's right. had a long-standing campaign since you know twenty twelve ish that to get the chain restaurants considered joint employers with their franchisees as part of a uh, as part of a uh, ongoing campaign to organize them?
1: Sure. So joint employer, um, this has been an ongoing fight now for several years um, at both the Labor Department and at the National Labor Relations Board. So the so the AFL-CIO clearly wants um the brands so whether it's subway yeah, whether it's yeah. mcdonald's you know we'll whether pick, whatever we'll picked
0: on mcdonald's because the sciu picked on mcdonald's the, sure. And, you know the, and the, the 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 union wants mcdonald's in are they still in oak or did they move to chicago um right yeah, you know big Illinois, big yeah. mcdonald big mcdonald's listed on the stock exchange to be the joint employer with your local mcdonald's which is owned by some guy who signed a franchise contract with big mcdonald's
1: Right, and that guy who signed the franchise contract never imagined he would be an employee of McDonald's. Right, and right. so, um, you know, and so these franchise franchisees, these local um, small businesses, they're closer to the employees, they're closer to the community. Um, they've bought into these these um, these franchise this franchise model, and it would be completely gutted under the act. And one thing, one aspect here, I don't think gets enough attention. Is particularly the impact on the workers of these franchisees? All right, we just went through a situation where um, a lot of our chain restaurant members had had were you know were forcibly closed by whatever local or state government they were you know they were within you know within the territory they were operating. All right, so then they, then when they close, there's paid leave questions, there's benefit questions, um, there's return to work questions, there's safety and health questions. You know, very, very complicated issues that under current law, they know exactly where they're going. They're going to that small businessman that we just talked about. And that small businessman will, you know, can address their concerns one way or another. Now, under a joint employer relationship, that small businessman has to constantly, you know, go back to the brand office, wherever it might be, six, seven, eight states away. And, you know, and get these questions answered. It's the idea that somehow,
0: uh, you know, a bit more cynically from the SCIU side, of course, when you combine it with an expansion of card check and you have, uh, you know, you put big McDonald's on the hook for what little McDonald's, you know, again, we've established that the pro Act's going to make, you know, the penalties for infringements of technical provisions of labor law that, you know, you need a good lawyer to understand really well. Uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to make those harsher and then we're going to put Big McDonald's on the hook for when Little McDonald's messes up. You know what? Big McDonald's is just going to agree to a card check with the SCIU to make them go away and put everybody on the same playing field.
1: That, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, I mean, again, the the whole thrust of this act, of course, is to get, you know, Union dues drives Union dues up. And to your point, it's the product that unions are selling that has become less and less interesting to workers, especially in the modern economy where workers are going to change jobs more and more and more. My grandfather who was president of his local was in the same job for, for decades. Right. I mean, you know, it, modern workplace is simply not like that. I mean, so, and, you know, I, we can, we can put some numbers on this.
0: I think it, se- several years ago when the, when the SEIU was first promulgating this joint employer campaign I think it was Diana Furkett Roth, then of Manhattan mm-hmm. Institute, went into the Trump administration, not sure yeah, what she she's did, doing yeah. now. Um uh, she calculated that just from initiation fees, the fee that you pay when you start work in a unionized workplace, that Huge the number. SEIU was looking at a at a nine-figure windfall.
1: Uh, it, so, you know, you talk to some of these union union members. Um, and again, I worked on Capitol Hill for a while, and they would come in and lobby in, and I, I would ask, you know, by the way, how much do you do? You, you know, do you pay for this for this representation? Sometimes the union would take two and a half percent of their gross pay right off the bat now, every month. This is an enormous number <laughs> over the course of a lifetime. Yeah, Just I mean, a that, huge that's, amount that's, of money. That's
0: Maryland municipal taxes.
1: Yeah, which, I, it's, which it, I know how it's much a, I pay a, in Maryland yeah.
0: municipal taxes. It's a lot. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's an enormous amount of money, and I each, you know, and so by the way, and then what do you get for it? You get the opportunity to pay dues to a union, and then you flip open the paper one day, and oh yeah, by the way, just we just we saw in the UAW case, sometimes that money does not get you know end up in the right in the exact place where it should, and um, so uh, you know, I mean, the fact of the matter is, you're right when you you mentioned earlier, they win. More often than they lose if they can actually get an election. So it's trying to find tranches of workers who are even interested in having this discussion. It's increasingly rare, especially in the private sector.
0: And and again, you know, we'll make this our last you know provision that we're going to highlight today. It is sure not an exhaustive list, and this is certainly not the the least of the provisions. Uh, this whole notion of micro unions, the whole notion of yeah. of subunits. Uh, which were an innovation of the Obama-era National Labor Relations Board the, the, that
1: the PRO Act would codify. That's exactly right. So, um, yeah, so micro-unions, the idea, of course, is when you have a large employer, um, and, you know, interestingly... Take, taking uh, taking key- a
0: step back, sort of the the cl- traditional way that, that um, the unions would be organized is it'd be, you know, a community of interest, and that would be taken to be a broad spectrum of the line, let's call them line employees of the, of the, uh, of the workforce. So if you're GM, you know, you're the guys who put wheels on axles and the guys who put doors on car frames and the guys who weld car frames, you know, they they might have a different job description, but that all be in a bargaining unit. Micro unions operates somewhat differently.
1: Right. So, um, so I mean, there's a number of cases here that uh, have, been, have been at the board the last few years. Uh, Boeing comes to mind. So, um, I believe it was in, uh, the South Carolina facility. Uh, the um, the machinists tried to organize that facility. They lost overwhelmingly. Of course, they wanted the larger number, but having lost overwhelmingly, they then go back and they try to find a subunit of employees where they have enough strength and they they take that subunit, whether it's, you know, just the guys turning, you know, you know, to use your example, you know, the guys just working on the wheels or something, you know, some some particular some some some, job, some
0: job class that can be theoretically separated from the rest of the production process or the rest of, right. you know, I, there was a case uh, that I from back in the Obama NLRB days where it was I think it was Macy's. That yeah. the cosmetic sales reps were considered right. a micro unit uh, because That's they right. were, and the uh, I think it was the food and commercial workers wanted to unionize them because they were more likely to unionize
1: than the whole the whole sales. That's phase. right. So right, so it's a backup plan for the unions. Uh, but again, it's it's incredibly he- it's a huge headache for the workplace. One interesting uh, aspect of this was it came up uh, when I was at the board. Uh, it came up, and I can't remember which orchestra it was. Some orchestra. Various groups of musicians wanted to organize with different unions, so you you know you'd have like the tubas, it you know in one union, and you'd have like the trumpetists in another union. Um, it's yes, and uh, nice. it's basically um, and again that was thr- that was you know tr- the um, John Ring and and um, the majority of the last few years have done a good job of of pushing back on that, um, but this is again this is something that reinstates uh, micro unions. But again it's a it's a fallback option if they lose the larger vote which again they're you know every every comma of this bill every word in this bill is designed to make it so that either the employer just bends and voluntarily recognizes the union
0: voluntary voluntary Um,
1: recognition means card check just for for those not familiar (laughs) yeah i mean or yeah and so um oh look you have a you know you have a um you have a majority on cards you know good enough for us and so, um, yeah, and so, yeah, that's that's why this bill exists is because, you know, just they just don't have enough people. They don't have enough workers in this country who are situated in a situ- in, in a particular employer's environment where the the workers are have any interest whatsoever yeah, we're, we're, in, and and in we're the
0: classical, union. and we're the classical union model you know, big labor with big business, walking hand, you know, Walking hand in hand, dividing the proceeds of growth is is the appropriate model for a twenty first century economy
1: yeah and and the funny thing is every time they sort of try to you know find a new and a friend of mine collects all the articles over the years that the new york times runs about you know this is going to be the year this is going to be the technique this is going to be the subdivision of the american economy that's really going to bring back you right know, it's going to be it's labor. going to be
0: woke millennial journalists and yeah world woke work, yeah right. working I mean, you know back in back before
1: everybody was forced to work from home wall worked in one world trade center or something <laughs> Right. Well, the ringer has a union, right? So this, so Bill Simmons website, I mean, they have a union, right? I mean, you know, so that's going to really, you know, that's going to be their entree into the, to the 21st century. A couple of years ago, I distinctly remember this. uh, It was going to be all the folks working in the um, marijuana industry. They were going to, they were going to unionize. Yeah,
0: UFCW, that was a big UFCW campaign.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They were going to unionize, and they were going to save the save the uh, AFLC. And, th- and then
0: I think the guy who was running the U- campaign for the UFCW ended up going to jail for something not related to weed. <laughs> it's
1: possible. Yeah. So um, again, I mean, this is what this bill is really about. They, th- what really offends them is the idea that workers have the right to not be in a union, and that's what the that's what this bill is about. Um, and again, they're going to try to, um, you know, the other side is going to try to put forth the case that this is about workers' rights, when it, it absolutely isn't. Um, the, the workers have the right under current law to organize their workplace. Um, they have the right to, and I you know, and I support that right, they, they should be able to make their case to the workers, the employer should be able to make the case to the workers, the workers should be able to hear both sides, and they go into a voting booth, and in the privacy of a voting booth, they say yes or no. And then that individual worker can tell the employer and they can tell the union boss exactly what they want to hear, or they can say nothing at all, or, you know, or, yeah. you know, and, um, and that worker but has the same, the same right to- freedom,
0: the same freedoms that all of us exercise usually every other November, unless you live in Virginia, in which case it's every November. Or it's every, uh, it's every uh, November. <laughs> um, you know, the, you uh, know, I mean, that's for our, but for I our, mean, our civil government, you know, can exercise uh, that same, that same private, Private decision making for the workplace government,
1: right? But every you know every part of this bill is designed to ensure that workers don't have that option. Um, it's designed to make sure that workers start paying union dues and continue to pay union dues immediately, uh, whether whether or not the workers have any interest in in um, buying into that arrangement whatsoever.
0: Well, uh, I'd like to thank once again. Ed Eggy of the National Retail Federation for joining us this week. That is our show. We encourage you all to subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week.